You guys will probably notice that it looks a little bit different here. That is because a big part of the pod is missing. That is Tiz, and uh, that's because he's on vacation, but he'll be back. And uh, because of that, though, I'm going to be taking it solo this one. So uh, I guess we could just get right into the action, as we always do on the Hurt Handbook. Uh, I was going to start with some Bellator, but there's not really too much to note. I mean, Logan Storley dominated Michael Venom Page using his wrestling. I was... I figured if he didn't get knocked out, that was probably what was going to happen. So, uh, I don't know. I've never been that high on MVP. Like, a lot of people hype him up because of his striking. But, like, if you can't defend takedowns from guys who are at your level, then, like, I, I don't know why people are ever really clamoring to see him in the UFC. I mean, you think about it. In that welterweight division, no way in hell he beats Usman. No way in hell he beats Colby. No way in hell he beats Burns, Hamza. I can keep going. Like there's, there's the like. Let's see what the welterweight division's looking like right now. Not beating Bilal Muhammad. He's not beating eh. Vicente Luque. Might be a good fight actually for him. Wonder Boy would be a great fight. Any striker in that top ten, but like people were always saying that he should be in like the UFC. But like, I don't, I don't agree with that whatsoever. So, uh, Logan Storley just proved once again that his wrestling is just good. And then that, uh, I, I don't know, because I want to say that, like, his wrestling's elite, which it probably is. It's just that I don't take much from out wrestling Michael Venom Page. Like, it's been done before. It's just, he's, he's had trouble with guys who have good grappling, like, in the past. Like, this is a culture clash in a way, just because, like, this is a whole different Bellator era. But, I would have loved to see back when like Ben Askren was in Bellator, like just dominating all these welterweights. I would have loved to see how he would have done against Michael Venom Page because that's a true striker versus grappler match. But um, yeah, I mean it, it was kind of just a boring fight though. I mean Logan Storley just used his wrestling and uh, pretty much just laid on him almost the whole time. Scott Coker was not happy, probably because his cash cow just got exposed once again. But uh, yeah, you, you know, things like that are going to happen. I guess besides that, uh, Paul Daly, he got a nice knockout. Um, he's That was, well, he said that was going to be his final fight. You never really know with MMA retirements. But with him, I really think it will be. If that that's the way you want to go out in England, your home, like your home country, with a knockout the way that he had it. It was just so vicious. So uh, good for Paul Daly going out on a win there. But we'll just get right into the UFC from there. So getting right into the UFC, I'm going to start from the first fight of the night. I'm kind of going to just like graze through the prelims just to get to the main card. Uh, as easy as it seems, it is kind of tough to talk about fights to nobody. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep going until I run out of ideas pretty much. So Andre Petrosky, he got a nice win over Nick Maximov. Uh, I didn't think that it was going to go like this. I figured that Maximov had the grappling chops to stick with Petrosky's power and get through his uh, early adversity because I figured that Petrosky would do good early and obviously he did great early because he finished the fight with an anaconda choke within the first couple minutes. But I figured that that wasn't going to happen because I thought that Maximov had the grappling to get out of that. But I think it was just too much power, too fast. Maybe the pressure of uh, being undefeated got to Maximov a little bit because they were starting to hype him up a lot. Although this was the first fight of the night, so maybe I'm wrong about that. But at least in the circles that I'm looking in, he seemed to have some hype behind him. And uh, besides the fight itself, I loved the call-out from Petrosky and Gerald Mearshart. Three weeks in Singapore, that's what he wants. Mearshart, 
Mearshart's the best. Like I, I'm, I'm such a big fan of him. He had a great response. He said, "Yeah." He goes, "I'm down. Uh, maybe not three weeks though. I'm kind of fat right now. Just being real. <laughs> like I love that. And like I hope they do book that fight though, because in terms of like the technical breakdown of it, him versus Petrosky is such an interesting fight, just because of their grappling styles. Because Petrosky has that insane top control." And he's got power and everything that he does, but his, his cardio is still eh. But Mirshar is so experienced. He's been around for a while. He's got great jujitsu. It only takes one mistake to lose to him because that's how quickly he locks up submissions, whether that be chokes, arm bars, any of that. Leg locks even, I think. like He's just got great jujitsu. So I think with Petrosky's wrestling, that'll be a really interesting fight. So I'm, I'm honestly really down to see that one. But uh, from there... Just a couple of things that I want to go through quickly. Tatsuro Taira, I mean, he he looked as good as we all thought he was going to look. He didn't get a finish, but he did look great on the ground. His grappling is really fun to watch. He's not one of these guys who just like lays on people boring in like a boring fight type of way. He's uh, always looking for a finish, and that makes him really fun to watch. And uh, he got a good win in his debut, so we'll see what happens in the future. But moving on from there, another... Uh, effective grappling performance by Verna Jandarova against Angela Hill. Uh, I kind of figured that that was going to happen just because Angela Hill, her her grappling is getting better, and I think it got a lot better in this fight because I, I figured that Jandarova was going to get a submission, but Angela Hill was able to scramble out of a lot of those, and that was good for her. I mean, I never like seeing Angela Hill lose. She's another person who's one of my favorite fighters, and uh, she's an interesting person and just... Uh, Honestly, like, I think she's one of the best people, like, when they have the shows on the desk, like, before the uh, the pre-shows or UFC Live, whatever they call it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just was a rough night for her going up against a good grappler in Jandaroba. And uh, on from there, very happy that Michael Johnson got a win. Uh, great knockout over uh, Alan, Alan Patrick. And uh, it just, honestly, it just really got me to thinking, because, like, I'm a big Michael Johnson fan. I mean... Right when he came, right when I got into the UFC was like when he was still like kind of in his prime, uh, up in those like top, top guys in like the lightweight division, and uh, it reminded for some reason I don't know why, I just thought of back in like twenty, probably twenty seventeen, it was like a huge press conference going into the summer, and I watched it and it was just like, it was him. And in the lightweight division, he was fighting Justin Gaethje, who was undefeated at the time coming into the UFC. And then besides those two, the other two lightweights that were there that had a fight night that summer was Kevin Lee, who's not even in the UFC anymore. And then Michael Chiesa, who is obviously a welterweight at this point. And I honestly don't know how he ever made 155, but that was truly an iconic press conference. Like, Kevin Lee was just an absolute menace in that press conference. I mean, I know I'm stealing Michael Johnson's nickname and giving it to Kevin Lee. But Kevin Lee, honestly, he was talking He was talking shit about Michael Johnson. I remember he's like, yeah, he's had 30 fights, lost half of them. He says he's going to kill a motherfucker in there. He hasn't killed a motherfucker yet. One of the just most hilarious quotes that Kevin Lee has ever said, I think. And then, obviously, you got the iconic moment between him and Chiesa where uh, Lee was talking about Kiesa's mom. I hope his mama got tickets. And then Kiesa obviously got up. Don't you talk about my fucking mom. He got right in his face. And then obviously they, they were throwing hands, but the security broke that up before anything crazy happened. And uh, God, what a time in the UFC, honestly. 
I think it's a lot different than it is now. I mean, I'm going to go on a tiny bit, I think, of a side sidebar here, but I think it's worth mentioning. Just like back in those days when it was on Fox, I feel like it still wasn't the type that it – like. Because ESPN, it's so easy with any sport, and especially MMA, to like just build anybody into a star. But back then, like there was, you really had to work for it, and it took like the person fighting to, you know, give themselves some promotion, like as well. It wasn't just Fox or the UFC doing it for them, and uh, I think that was like what led to these hilarious press conferences that we used to have that we really don't have anymore. I mean, they we have them occasionally. It depends on who's fighting, but. Uh, they're just very like toned down nowadays, and I think that ESPN is a big reason of why that is. And I also think, though, that ESPN is a big reason why we have fights every weekend, which is something I'm grateful for. So that, like, there's trade-offs, but I honestly like, you know, you got the guys like McGregor, the Diaz brothers, Masvidal, but those guys aren't winning belts. And the UFC used to have these pay-per-view people who used to win belts, like Brock Lesnar was the heavyweight champion. Ronda Rousey was the women's bantamweight champion. When Conor was coming up, he won the featherweight title, the lightweight title, fought Floyd. But it's just like nowadays, besides maybe like Israel Adesanya, and I think Usman is starting to get there, but I, I still don't think he is there. I, I just think that Adesanya is the only guy who has that is like a pay-per-view star. And I think that ESPN is to blame for that. I just think that they're making they're trying to make everybody into an interesting name, which it's just not everybody is. I mean, some some people like they're so they're so quick to label someone a top prospect after they get like one good win against a mid tier person. And there's actually some like fights like that on this card that I honestly thought about. But um, it's just I I just think that there's no huge name value anymore. Like because the UFC is just such a big company and the way that they do it. They don't really give guys what they want at this point, like unless they're at the top. And that's because they run a business and they do it in a business model. And that's the only way that they think they can run a league. And I think that that's true. But it has, it, like I said, it has some trade offs because, like, I miss those pay per view stars. And, like, I miss those huge pay per views, like, which we don't really get anymore. We get big ones, but they don't they don't have that same like aura about them Like if you guys remember like when Habib fought Conor McGregor Like that was such a big big event Like that was one of the biggest events of that year in like any sport So you just don't see that like when's like the last UFC event that you could really think of That was like a sports spectacle Maybe like the last time Connor fought Poirier in Vegas, but I, I don't really know. There's just not that many guys who have that same level of draw. And I don't think it's going to be like that like anymore, really. Because I, I think that the UFC can run without just one good guy, you know, propelling huge pay-per-view numbers. Because now they get the ESPN revenue and they're, like I said, they're having fights every weekend, which is phenomenal. But I don't know. I mean, I guess... I guess, like like I said, there's some good and bad to that because I love, believe me, I love having fights every other every weekend. Like we have so much to talk about every podcast, which is phenomenal. And like honestly, even besides that, it's just fun to watch the fights every weekend. It's just something to look forward to. But man, I do miss those guys like who would be able to really just sell a pay per view by themselves because I feel like that's not there really a thing anymore. But um, I guess just back to the UFC card. Uh, Andrea Lee losing to Vivian Arujo 
uh, by decision. I thought that that fight was interesting because Andrea Lee, within the first 30 seconds, pretty much like separated Vivian from consciousness with a massive head kick. And Vivian clearly has a chin because she got up and she stayed in that fight, won the rest of that round, and then won the rest of the fight, honestly, using her grappling. But um, Andrea Lee, I'm not... I, I did... <laughs> I'll put my foot in my mouth here a little bit that by saying that um, I did think that Andrea Lee was going to do a lot better in this fight than she did, but I still think that she showed like her skill because obviously, like I said, that head kick, she did have some moments off of her back, but similarly to like a fight that I'm going to mention a little bit later, like when you're grappling someone who's like a really good grappler from Brazil, you got to think that that's like some of the best jujitsu that you're ever going to see. Like... Because there's black belts that are from, like, other countries, but, like, you're, they're Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts in Iceland aren't as good as, like, a jiu-jitsu black belt in Brazil. Like, because that's where it hails from. And they get the best training there, and I think that that really was what made the difference in this fight. I'm still, uh, I'm still pretty high on Andrea Lee. I think that she has the skills to get further up in this division. I just think that this one was a bad matchup. But, um... On to the main card. Uh, this is kind of what I was actually just talking about with uh, Nascimento getting the win over uh, Jake Hadley. This is what I'm saying. Like People wanted to say that Jake Hadley was this incredible grappler from England. But like again, like when you're from England and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, which actually I'm not 100% sure if he is, but if he's not, he does have fantastic grappling. I'm not even saying that. But when you're going up against a guy who's got great grappling, even off of his back, from Brazil and just a step up from Brazil from shoot to box which is one of the best MMA teams just ever like they're so iconic I mean and he had Charles Oliveira in his corner you know that just shows you that like that's the level of people that he's training with uh, on a daily basis there and I just I figured coming in that Jake Hadley's grappling wasn't going to be as good as Nascimento's despite what the odds were saying and that uh that honestly even like the the DraftKings I remember when I was making my lineup the uh the pricing was way like Hadley was one of the guys who was way up there and Nascimento really wasn't I, I don't really know why that is I think it's probably because Hadley was undefeated maybe they were buying into the hype a little bit but I don't know I figured that Nascimento was going to get it done pretty much how he ended up getting it done so on to uh, Manuel Torres versus Frank Camacho that fight was about what I expected. Tiz was trying to say that Camacho might have gotten a win. I don't know if he really believed that or if he was just trying to keep it interesting. But uh, I didn't really see too much that Camacho was going to be able to do. I mean, when you're in your 30s fighting a guy who's in his mid-20s, who's coming in with all the confidence in the world, faster faster hands than him, it's just like there wasn't much that he was going to be able to do. And obviously Torres was able to catch him pretty quickly and knock him out. But uh, I'm, I'm not willing to say, and this is, again, like something that I was just saying before about how uh, ESPN, like the way that they try to hype up fighters, like Manuel Torres, he got, a, he got a great win against a guy who is, you know, so-so in the UFC. He's coming off a bunch of losses. Like, I, I'm not willing to say that the guy is like a bona fide prospect yet, like they were saying on the broadcast. He had a good win against a UFC-level opponent leaving it at that and he does have a little I mean he has great boxing and most of those guys from Mexico probably do right he's from Mexico Manuel 
Is he? You can never find... All right, yeah, he is out of Mexico. I was right. So, um... It's, you always expect like pretty good boxing from those guys and uh, good chin usually too. And because of that, I figured if they were in the fire, Camacho was going to get the worst of it, which he did. And uh, the thing is though, Torres sometimes did have his chin up a little bit and he got cracked a couple times. And against guys who are actually like pretty good in the UFC, that's not going to end up working for him. So uh, just maybe keep the chin down. But uh, besides that, great boxing displayed and a great knockout, honestly. It was just the combination that he landed on him was just vicious. Like those two hooks, one on the temple and then one right on the chin. Camacho just folded right after that. Great stoppage, too, by Herb Dean. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what's going to happen going forward for Manuel Torres. But great first win in the UFC. Um, on to the... Final few fights of the night, which I'm definitely going to get a little more into because there is just more to get into. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian versus Amanda Hebus. Split decision win for Chukagian. A lot of people had a problem with that. Uh, I mean, I, I personally didn't, which I feel like I'm in the minority about that. I just think that pressure, like, I think that pressure is good when there's not much happening, but when someone's landing, backing up, it doesn't matter. When they're landing, I don't see how you could like give the other person the round. Because like, round one, I gave to Hebus, I think, because uh, Hebus had the more effective grappling. I thought that the way she used her judo was actually really effective in that fight. I didn't think that Chukagian thought that Hebus was going to lean on it as much as she did. And uh, she did a good job of getting Chukagian down and like holding her in that head and arm position. But Chukagian's grappling is so underrated. I've said that. She was able like, to scramble out of it a bunch of times. And uh, th the thing is, like, like I said, when you're on the feet, Hebus was just pressuring. And she wasn't really landing much. She was throwing with more power. But Chukagian, like I said on the sports book, she's just so precise with how she fights. And because of that, I just think that like, you can't pick against her in some of these rounds. Like In round two, Hebus did get her down. And she did control her a little bit. But when they were on the feet, it wasn't even close. Like, Chukagian is just picking her apart from like from a distance. And then in round three, I, I had Chukagian winning that one too. And at the very end, it got pretty interesting because uh, Amanda Hebus was just screaming and going crazy. That, that was a loud fight at the end there. They were both screaming and just throwing bombs at each other. That was a war in the final minute there because uh, – I just thought that was fantastic, honestly. It was a much better fight than we're used to seeing from Chukagian. I think that's just because he was pressured her and tested her like a lot. I didn't think that uh, Chukagian was as ready for the grappling as I figured she probably would have been. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people had a problem with that decision. I, I get why they would because she did have some nice control time. But on the feet, though, like Chukagian was just picking her apart. And yeah. I, we, I feel like this came up too in the Sterling-Yan rematch in round one. Like, Piotr Jan was coming forward, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't throwing or landing much. Like, you, you, can't, you can't give someone a round if they're not landing anything. Because like, even when, like, they were on the ground, in round one she did a little better, but round two she wasn't really landing that much because she was just trying to hold her down because Jukagian is a good scrambler. And I think that when you're not, landing when you're pressuring that shouldn't matter because the way that the rules work is it's by effective striking and effective grappling followed by octagon control like 
so you're not supposed to go to the octagon control unless you can't judge it from the other things. And like in this fight, I thought Jukagian landed plenty like to judge that those rounds, and she got the win obviously. And I I don't think it was a robbery. Some people do. I think that's just because they hate on Caitlin Jukagian due to her style. I get that she's not a risk taker. I mean, believe me, I've had my fair share of times watching Caitlin Jukagian fights where I'm not interested, but. It, this fight was definitely better than a lot of her other fights just because like it was more of a battle for her and uh, like I said I just think that she's one of the best flyweights in the world I think without Valentina there she would she could argue that she might be champion at one point so we'll see what happens with that flyweight title fight in June and uh, I don't know I mean like how many more wins does Yukagian have to get to get another title shot I get that she like lost to Valentina badly but let's see here because um, I think after a certain point, like, how can you deny her? Let's see. So she fought. That's bizarre. Why can I not find it right there? All right, I'm going to go on Tapology. That's what you get for trying to just use Google. Like I said, Tapology is the number one spot, in my opinion, for finding. Uh, the MMA like knowledge you really need. They got the best like. What? Oh wait, that oh that's grappling. I was like I was so confused. Okay, so pretty much, she uh, she lost to Valentina in twenty twenty, then she beat Antonina her sister. <laughs> that's just kind of funny, and uh, then she had that loss to Andrade, which I don't fault her for because Andrade is a killer. Then, she beat Cynthia Calvillo, beat Arujo beat Jennifer Maya, and now she's beating Amanda Nunes. So that's four wins in a row. I'm not ready to give her a title shot yet. I like I, I And she's not even calling for it, but I just feel like speaking it into existence is something that I should do. Just because, like, how many wins are you going to have to have to get another crack at her? So I think maybe if Santos wins, then I think Chukagian should get a title shot. But I, I'm not sure if Santos is going to be able to beat Valentina. I mean, I think that that's... That's one of those things that I don't really know who is going to be able to beat Valentina. But um, Chukagian, I think that she called out after the fight. She just wants any good grapplers, or not good grapplers, uh, good contenders just coming in. And, like, I, I think that that's good. I mean, she's she's used to fighting these girls who are at, like, the upper echelon already. She's beaten all of them. So why not give her some new fresh faces? She mentioned uh, Manon Furo. Uh, to be one name. Uh, there's definitely some other flyweights coming up that could definitely fight her. Uh, yeah, I, ju I just think it's a she's in a tough spot because when you lose to the champion as badly as she did, it's just tough to get another title shot after that, no matter who you beat. And this is her fourth win in a row, so we'll see if she can get one from there. But on to the co-main event, Ryan Spann defeating Ion Kutelaba. And uh, I'm just going to say to Tiz, I told you so. <laughs> so... Pretty much, like, in this fight, I figured that Ryan Spann was a lot better than people are making him out to be at the odds of this, or not the odds as much, but the pricing on uh, on DraftKings specifically, I remember, was just outrageous. Like, Kute Lava was, like, 8,700, uh, 8, and Ryan Spann was, like, in the low 7,000s. So I was like, that is unbelievable. But Ryan Spann, he's really good, like, all around. He's got good, good power in his hands. He's very composed on the feet. He's got good wrestling he's good at getting up off his back as we saw in this fight 
because Kute Lava, he got him down a bunch of times like early, but Ryan Spann just was very easily just getting back up to his feet, and I knew even if the fight was to go on, it was going to affect Kute Lava's gas tank, having to take him down, get up, take him down, get up. Like, Ryan, Ryan Spann is just one of those guys who I feel like is just constantly slept on because of a couple losses. Like, the Johnny Walker one, it was a it was a good fight while it lasted, but he just settled in a bad position. If you guys remember, he was in. He was kind of like going in for a takedown, but he left his head wide open, and Johnny Walker was just landing a bunch of hammer fists and uh, knocked him out using those. And then in the Anthony Smith fight, I personally think it was a lot of pressure, like mental pressure, because that was his first main event in the UFC. He was saying leading up to the fight how uh, how he just wanted to provide for his family. He's using MMA as a means to provide, and like, I don't know. He was just he was putting too much pressure on himself. I'll just say that, like, because when you're fighting with your family on your mind and all these other things, like, that's never a good thing, and that's never something you should put on your mind for a fight, in my opinion, at least. I think it's hard enough to just get into a fight as it is, and then like you have all that on top of it. I think that that was honestly what happened in that fight. But Anthony Smith is also really good, so. I won't hold that too much against him. But like I said, I just think that he's he's going to be rising through the ranks pretty soon. And I think this win is the start of hopefully a nice little run by him. And uh, there's not really too much to say besides that. It was a crazy fight while it lasted. But the standing guillotine that he ended up... Well, honestly, it wasn't even really standing. It ended up being on the ground. But um, let's see. What did they like officially... It, yeah, just guillotine choke. That's what they say. So not standing or on the ground. But started up on the feet because what happened was just it was like the third or fourth time that Span had gotten up and Kute Lava just immediately tried to take him down again and he just Span just locked up his neck and then right off the bat you knew it was in right away because he tapped quick so that that was just a great win by Ryan Span I told you Ryan Span would win Tiz I told you I told you I told you he made me some money in my in my lineup uh, I can get into that actually a tiny bit before we get into the main event uh, I did have Alexander Rakic in, in my lineup. That ended up obviously not working into my favor. But I had Ryan Spann, who got obviously a first-round finish. Manuel Torres, who got a first-round finish. Uh, Vina Jandarova and Tatsuro Tyra, who both got um, good decision wins with heavy grappling control. And uh, the other one that I picked was Andrea Lee, who didn't win, but she did have a couple of great moments that got her some points. So I uh, I was in like the top hundred of like two thousand so that's kind of cool and uh yeah i won some money on that that's how you know me and tiz just aren't blowing smoke when we're doing the sports book every time we play we usually win some money so uh yeah i mean i just want to give that a plug because the sports book always deserves a shout out then people ask me a lot like on the instagram they say like that we should give like our uh all of our picks but like if you want all of our picks you just gotta watch the podcast <laughs> I, i'll do it occasionally i'll probably honestly i'll probably save that for pay-per-views because i feel like that's just one of those things that you know putting that on instagram is just more publicity <laughs> but uh yeah so my lineup did pretty good last night I'm, pr- I'm happy to say that proud to say that because i mean obviously me and tiz got a lot of our predictions correct as we usually do and uh, so, yeah, definitely tune in on Friday to the Hurt Sportsbook. And um, getting right into the, just the main event, uh, Jan Blachowicz got gets a third-round TKO over Alexander Rakic. Wasn't your typical TKO. I mean, the round the, I had it 1-1 going into round three, and I think that was the consensus, obviously, because 
round one, both guys showed like pretty good boxing. Rockets' jab looked good, but uh, Jan Blachowicz was landing a lot of leg kicks, which was actually phenomenal on his part in terms of like fight IQ. Because I think one of the best ways to defend leg kicks is to just throw them yourself. Because then like it's you know you're tearing up the other guy's leg. He's not going to be as willing to throw up uh, throw up as many leg kicks there. And I think in this fight, Jan did a good job at using his leg kicks. He uh, had his boxing look good at certain points too. Round two was a little bit tougher. Rockets used his wrestling and uh, he had really good top control. A lot of good ground and pound as usual. And just, like I said, I think that Rockets is just the real deal. I think that this one was just, you know, bad things happen. Blew out his knee in round three. Just completely out of nowhere. Just put his weight on his back foot and it just gave out on him completely. Fight was stopped right from there. It's tough to see that. You never want to see anybody get injured like that. And especially when it's not even really caused by anything that happened in the fight. It was just like just a freak occurrence. So hopefully he heals up really quickly because I still believe that he is one of the best light heavyweights in the world, if not the best, honestly. So uh, Rockets, hopefully he heals up. But Jan Blahovich will definitely focus more on what's going to happen with him coming out of this fight. So... In June, we do have the light heavyweight title fight between Glover Teixeira and uh, Yuri Prohaska. And a lot of people were saying that Jan should get an immediate rematch versus uh, versus Glover after this fight. But like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not willing to say that yet. I mean, Jan kind of folded in that fight. And I, he says it was a mental thing, and I get that it might have been. But I don't know. You, you can't get finished that easily in a title fight and then expect to get right back there unless there's no other contenders. I mean, you still got Magomed Ankalaev around there. Anthony Smith is hovering around that top five. It's just like, I think there's more fights for Jan if Glover wins. So my viewpoint is if Glover wins, I think that Jan should have one more fight. It should be against either Anthony Smith or uh, Ankalaev. Let me just make sure that they're not fighting. Uh, because you never really know called for no it's a different fight it's just so like that that division is so like stacked now that uh that anthony uh or not anthony, anthony smith that john jones is out of it just because like nobody was really beating john jones and uh now it's like wide open honestly because now that he's gone you got all these guys who are pretty much at the same level as one another and they're all fighting each other so this is what we want right oh wow he is fighting anthony smith okay all right, okay, so maybe, uh, hmm, let's see. Well, if we got the title fight in June, that fight is slated for July 30th, UFC 277. I don't know, I'd give it some time. I wouldn't give him an immediate title shot right after that win, especially considering the circumstances of how it happened. Uh, I just think that, I think that Jan could very well win a rematch with Glover, but I just don't think he's, he doesn't deserve that shot just yet. So I think if Glover wins, he should Jan should probably fight the winner of Smith versus Ankalaev, and then the winner of that should fight Glover for the title. But uh, besides that, though, I think if Yuri wins, I think that you could give Jan an immediate title shot right from there, because they haven't fought yet. It's a fresh matchup. It's a good matchup. So hopefully the the UFC uh, kind of agrees with me there. I haven't really heard much, because it's obviously just fresh right after the fight. But usually you hear something. But this one, you don't really know what many people are thinking. A lot of the MMA community seems to think that Jan should just get another title shot. I don't know about that, like I said. So we'll see how the matchmaking ends up 
and how these fights start playing out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty average weekend in fights. I'd say this card was entertaining. There wasn't really much else besides that that, like, that I have worth noting. Uh, next week is uh, Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieira, a bantamweight main event. I'm, honestly, I'm pretty excited for it. They're both uh, really good strikers. I mean, Holly Holm, I never know how to feel just because her fights sometimes are like uneventful. Like she kind of, the same things that people, this is how you know like MMA fans are biased because people love Holly Holm and she fights the exact same way as Caitlin Chukagian. So like if you hate the way Caitlin Chukagian fights, then why do you like Holly Holm? That's like, that's my whole point there. But Holly Holm is obviously a UFC icon at this point. You know, everybody will always remember that knockout she had over Ronda Rousey as long ago as it was at this point. She's always in that upper echelon of the bantamweight and featherweight division for the women. And uh, I think her versus Ketlin Vieira is a really good fight, honestly. And uh, Ketlin Vieira is coming off that win over Misha Tate. So I think it's a logical step up. And uh, hopefully that'll be a good five-round fight for us. And uh, besides that, I'll see you guys uh, during the week with Talking Tough. Be sure to uh, tune into that. And also tune in to the Hurt Sportsbook on Friday when we break down all the action that's coming on the Holm Vieira card. See you guys then.